What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to tell your friends and family about these online worship services and you share these videos with them, we hope it's helpful. Thank you so much for doing that. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us love people and help people and serve people. It helps us serve people in this city. Thank you so much for doing that. Some things that we want you to know over the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Easter. On April the 9th and the 16th, we're having gas card giveaways. We're going to have $10 gas cards. We'll be at three different pumps here in Lake Charles. And for an hour or so on those two Saturdays before Easter, we'll just hand out $10 gas cards to people who are filling up with gas just to let them know that we love them and that we want to help out. Our next food pantry will be April the 14th, Thursday, April the 14th. If you would like to help out and volunteer, show up by about 9.30 on that day. Again, when you give, your generosity helps us do things like that. And then Easter services will be on the 17th. We cannot wait to do that. I also want to ask a very special favor to those of you that have been listening to online only. If you could make plans to join us in person on Easter, it'll be fun. It'll be a great service. It'll be moving. Bring somebody with you. We will have room for you, but we want to kind of pack this place out for Easter. So for those of you who have just been watching online, if you're in town, we're going to ask you to join us in person live on that day, and we're going to have a great, great time. Let's pray before we get started. Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for being great. We thank you for being loving. We thank you for being compassionate. We thank you for being encouraging and convicting and changing our life. And we give you this time. Speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. When we say as people of faith that we're trying to follow Jesus, what does that mean? And what does it mean when we say as people of faith that we're trying to know and to do the will of God? We want to know, do, and find the will of God. We want to experience the will of God. Well, this is what we mean. When we say that we want to know and do the will of God, we're trying to figure out and answer this question, what does God want me to do? And if most of us were honest today, we'd all have to admit that we deeply struggle with this. Most of us who are listening right now today would have to say that we struggle with finding and experiencing and knowing and doing the will of God, figuring out what does God want me to do in this relationship situation, in this storm, as I face this temptation, what does God want me to do in my faith? in my finances, in my family, in my relationships, in my marriages? What does God want me to do as I go throughout my choices and decisions and circumstances? What does God want me to do? And so for most of us, that's why we come to church. It's why we pray. It's why we seek God. It's why we meditate. It's why we worship so we can figure this out. What does God want me to do? And so we read stories in the scripture and the narrative of the New Testament about Jesus from over 2,000 years ago. And Jesus had very real experiences with very real people. And these very real stories were recorded back then. Jesus had real moments with real people like tax collectors, lepers, the sick and the disease, the popular and the rich, the left out, the forgotten and the poor, the hungry and the religious. And these stories are all stories of love and healing and compassion and forgiveness and second chances and salvation and life change. But the question we're trying to ask in this series is this, what if that was you? 
in that story with Jesus? And what if that was me? What if he was talking to you in that story? What if he was speaking to you and teaching you? What if in that story, you became the tax collector for that moment or the leper for that moment or the religious or the hungry or the broken for that moment? What would Jesus say to you? Or better yet, we've asked this question too. What if Christ walked into the story of your life right now here today? into this chapter of your life right now to prepare you for the next chapter? What would Jesus say to you in your circumstances and in your life right now today? In love, what would he say to you about your questions? What would he say to you about your fears, about your storms, about your relationships, about your emotions, about your reactions, about your faith, about your life? What does God want me to do? Because at the end of the day, that's the life that we all want to live. And so over the past couple of weeks, we pointed this out and remember this. We all want to live the life that God wants us to live because we all want to live a life, and remember this, a life of peace, hope, and purpose. But what do we mean when we say that we all want to live a life of peace, hope, and purpose? Well, this is what we mean. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. A life of peace that our inner fears and anxieties stop controlling us. A life of hope that our inner temptations to give up in every area of our life stops dominating us and controlling us. And a life of purpose that our inner battle with low self-esteem stops controlling us and dominating us. But what's holding you back from that life and living that life? the life that you know deep down you really want to live. We all want peace. We all want hope. We all want purpose. When I was a little boy, I guess around five or six years old, my dad and a couple of his friends coached my older brother Darren and my cousin Trent in a recreation football league. This was way back in the 80s, and this is when my older brother and them, they were just a few years older than me. They were around 10 or 11 years old, and my dad and his friends coached their recreation football team, the same team, for three years. And over three years, they were awesome. They went 62-2. and two. 62 and two, man, they were awesome little football team. But I used to go to practice all the time with my dad. And I remember one particular afternoon, I went to practice with my dad and the practice fields were miles and miles away from where we lived, where our house was in Moss Bluff. And so I was just hanging out, watching them uh, have football practice. And my dad told me, he goes, if you wander away towards the playground, don't wander away too far because I have all these football players on our team and I have all their parents to worry about. And so stay close to us Stay close to your dad, Tony, and stay close to your dad's team. Don't wander off too far, but you can go to the playground. And there was other kids there. And so I hooked up with the other kids while my dad was coaching my older brother and their football team. And we were playing, and I wandered away from my dad and his team a little bit at a time, over and over, a little bit at a time. I would wander away just a little bit. I got to the playground, and then we wandered away a little bit past the playground. And then one by one, the other kids started leaving, and I was there by myself. And I was always a shy kid. Being around a bunch of people always made me nervous anyway. And I had an imaginary friend growing up, and his name was Lesus, and so uh, I was really trying to say Jesus. And so me and Lesus, it didn't matter. All the other kids were leaving. We were going to hang out and play by ourselves anyway. And so we wandered away just a little bit further, a little bit further. And then I noticed that the sun started going down, and it was getting dark outside. And so I stood up, and I looked up, and I noticed that there was nobody on the football field. Everyone was going. Here I was as a six-year-old boy. I was miles away, miles away from our home. And my dad and his team was gone because I wandered away. In this life, have you ever felt like you were far away from God? 
Has it ever felt like God has left you and that God is silent in your life? Have you ever felt like it was your fault for that too? That you've made too many mistakes, too many failures, too many weaknesses. You have too much of a past. You wandered and walked away too far from God. God seems to be silent in your life. This is when you really struggle to figure out what does God want me to do? So back to the football practice, I looked up, I realized I'm all alone. And so, man, in a panic, I'm running back towards the football field. I'm crying, I'm panicking, my heart's beating fast, I'm scared to death. I'm a little boy away from my parents, away from home, all alone, and it's getting dark. You will go through seasons in this life when it feels like God has forgotten about you, a doctor's report that troubles you. Somebody does something to you in a relationship that hurts you and troubles you. There's family tensions and financial tensions and relationship tensions and storms in your life that trouble you and then panic starts to set in. How am I gonna deal with this? How am I gonna overcome this? How am I gonna get free from this? How am I gonna survive this? And so you start looking for God, but God seems to be gone and in a panic, you're searching for your father. And so as I'm running back towards the field, I'm crying in a panic, shouting for my dad, but he's nowhere around. Little did I know that my dad did forget me. When he got home, he walked into the door with my older brother, and my mom goes, where's Tony? And he went, I forgot him at the football field. Let me go back and get him. And so here I thought it was just me looking for my father. And so as I'm running back towards the football field, I finally see my dad's truck, his Chevy truck, speeding down that dirt road, kicking up rocks, coming to get me. And so as I'm running back towards where my father was, looking for my father, he was looking for me, but not only was my father looking for me, I was looking for him, he was looking for me, but not only was my father looking for me, he was coming to get me. And something I want you to understand today is this, and if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. We want God to fix things, but God wants to fix how we see things. As a little boy, I learned something that day that as a son, it is my job. As a child of my father, as a child of my parents, it's my job not to wander away. That's my job not to wander away. But it's my father's job that even if I do, he's going to come and get me. But this is what we do with God all the time. We wander away and we make decisions that hurt our faith, it hurts our emotions, it hurts our thinking, it hurts our relationships, it hurts our life, and then we find ourselves defeated. And what do we say? God, set me free. God, fix it. Set me free. When God's more concerned with fixing how you see it, not just fixing it, we want to microwave God. We have these storms, we have these problems, a lot of the times created by the fruit of our own decisions. And then once we get defeated, we want to put it all in the microwave and press zap and say, God, fix it. When God is more concerned with fixing how you see it, God wants you to see why your relationships are so tough. God wants you to see why your emotions seem so unstable. God wants you to see why your thinking is so anxious and your storms cause so much panic. You want God to fix it. He wants to fix how you see it because God loves you and he's never going to let you go anyway. It's your job not to wander away, but it's his job to come and get you even if you do. So what do your reactions and emotions and relationships and storms really say about you 
We want God to take away our fear, but God wants us to see why we're so afraid. We want God to set us free from our sadness, but God wants us to see what patterns in our life keep creating that depression. We want God to set us free from our storms, but God wants you to see how strong and how much character and integrity you can develop in those storms. We always want God to fix things, but God wants to fix how you see it. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Speaking of storms, very quickly, I want us to look at a very familiar story in the New Testament. So we've all heard about the story of Jesus walking on water towards the disciples in the boat and Peter trying to walk on water. But sometimes if you look deeper into it, you can see so much more that relates to our life. We pick up today in Matthew chapter 14 in verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, let's do something just a little bit different today as we go throughout this story. And so notice this today. Anytime you see the words disciples, Peter, the people, or the sick, I want you to place your name and your life in that story. From the very beginning, let's put our name in that place. It'll be my turn and it'll be your turn. So The first thing I want us to understand about this story today is this. Number one, storms are never convenient. The disciples were in trouble and they were far away from what? Land. They were far away from land. This is the worst place to be when you're in a boat on the water, on the sea, stuck in a storm. If you're going to be on a boat stuck in a storm, you do not want to be far away from land. This is not convenient whatsoever. And storms never are. You suffer a financial storm at the time when you need money the most. You suffer a relationship storm at the time when you need companionship and love the most. You suffer a family storm at the time you need stability the most. And you suffer an emotional storm at the time when you need peace the most. A A real life fact is this. Anytime you and I go through storms, they are never convenient. They will always strike your life when it feels like you're not ready. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified and in fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, Jesus said, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. The second thing I want you to see about this story is this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Number two, anyone can take a step. Peter was in a boat with 12 other disciples and he was the only, 11 other disciples, and he was the only one to step out of the boat and at least to try to walk on water. Everyone else could have, but Peter was the only one who had a story to tell that day when he came back because he's the only one who tried it. Some of you right now are facing some serious storms and issues in your life right now, and you need to make some changes, but you think nothing will ever change in your life. It seems like your storms have no hope in getting better. It seems like my health and my pain and my faith and my circumstances and my relationships have no hope in getting better, and it won't, and it will not ever get better until you have enough faith and courage to step out of the boat. You say, Tony, what does that mean? Just to take a step, what does that mean? Well, what's the first thing? Answer this question. This is what it means. What's the first thing you need to do to overcome the storm you're in right now? And you know what it is. What's the first thing you know you need to do? You need to do it to overcome the storm that you're in right now. Do you need to apologize? Take that step. Do you need to make an appointment with a counselor? 
Step out of the boat. Do you need to have a tough conversation with someone you love? Do you need to make a new budget? Do you, make a need, do you need to make a doctor's appointment? Take that step. Step out of the boat. Do you need to volunteer more at church? Do you need to pray more? Do you need to change some of your friends because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships? Take a step. Step out of the boat. What's the first thing you need to do to overcome the storm you're facing right now? Whatever it is, do that first thing. Step out of the boat because anyone can take a step. Verse 30, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? Peter saw the wind and the waves and got scared and started sinking. And so the third thing about this story is this, and notice this, storms can produce some bad excuses. It was Peter's lack of faith that caused him to sink, but he blamed it on the storm. Let me say that again. It was Peter's lack of faith and focus that caused him to sink, but he blamed it on the storm. And what excuses are you making today? Because people do this all the time. You're sinking. You're sinking in your temptations, and we make excuses. You're sinking in your habits. You're sinking in your patterns, and we make excuses. You're sinking in your sadness, in your self-pity, in your feelings, in your storms and we make excuses. But hear this today. Your excuses will guarantee that your life never changes. But let me tell you why you really have no excuse today. Because anyone can take a step, and anyone can work hard. Other people may have better opportunities to you than, than you do. Maybe they have more willpower than you do. But you can work just as hard as anyone else. It's no excuse because everyone can take a step and everyone can work hard. Look at verse 34. After they crossed the lake, they landed at a place called Gesineret. When the people recognized Jesus, notice this, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all of their sick to be healed. They begged Jesus to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Now, I found this very interesting. Why would they ask to touch at least just the edge of his robe, just the very fringe of his clothes, of his robe, of his garments? Well, Jesus was a rabbi, a religious teacher, but different and radical and new. But many religious teachers in the New Testament days, back in the days of Jesus, they would wear these long robes and prayer shawls, and at the end of their prayer shawls was known as their wings. The fringes of their robes, the edges of their prayer shawls was known as their wings. The wings of their robes or the wings of their prayer shawls. Now you got to understand the only Bible that these people had back then was the Old Testament. The Old Testament laws, the Old Testament commands, and the Old Testament prophets. Notice the final prophecy about the future coming Messiah, Jesus in the Old Testament, notice what it would say about the future coming Messiah, who is Jesus. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, very interesting. If you're still with me, so I'm still with you. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. His wings, the edges of his prayer shawl, the fringes of his clothes, the fringes of his robe, they literally believed the word. They believed this word about Jesus so much so that they were begging to at least, if we can just touch 
the edge of his clothes, we can be healed. If we could just touch the fringe of his prayer shawl, we can be healed. We're sick, but we believe, which leads me to the last point about this story in our life. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Number four, anyone can believe. Our excuses are holding us back from the life that we all really want to live, the life that God wants you to live, a life of peace, hope, and purpose. Our problem is most of us believe our excuses more than we believe Jesus. Let me say that again. Our problem is most of us believe our excuses more than we believe Jesus. And so it's time for us to start believing what Jesus says about our life instead of those weak excuses that we make all the time. So stay defeated in our storms. Take a step towards Jesus. He can help you be strong. When will you believe that? Take a step towards Jesus. He can help you defeat that habit and that sadness. When will you believe that? Take a step towards Jesus out of the boat. He can help you have peace and purpose. He can calm those fears. When will you believe that? Because anyone can believe. Don't let your storms create excuses in your heart that will hold you back from the life that you want to live because your excuses will always, always guarantee that your life never changes. And so something we all have to understand today as we finish this story up and apply it to our life is this. Anyone, anyone, anyone can come to Jesus. Everyone is welcome. Anyone can take a step. Anyone can work hard. Anyone can believe. And he'll take you the rest of the way. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got a lot out of this and we cannot wait to see you back next week.